Welcome to Growing Older with Gusto. This is your host, Gail Zergerman, and on this podcast, we deal with something everyone faces, growing older. For years, I've been listening to those who have gone before and even blogging about what to do and how to do it. Now it's my chance to share with you these really useful strategies to living life to the fullest. Whether we're 30, 60, or beyond, Growing Older with Gusto explores how to make the most of your life. In each episode, you'll hear from different people and learn how to prosper at any age and with different types of conditions and go about embracing the future. So grab your earbuds and subscribe into our content as we hope that you too will join us on our journey to finding joy and fulfillment and growing older with gusto. Hi, welcome to Growing Older with Gusto. I am your host, Gail Zergerman, and welcome to our podcast. And thank you for those who have watched our new YouTube channel. We'd love for you to subscribe. That would be great. And today I'm excited to tell you that we have somebody coming to us from San Luis Obispo, California, by the name of Sky Bergman. And she is an accomplished, award-winning photographer who's getting ready to make her directorial debut with her documentary called Lives Well Lived, celebrating the secrets, wit, and wisdom of old age, which will be airing on PBS in May of next year. Her newest project aligns so well with our podcast, which showcases older people who are successfully navigating the years ahead of them. But getting back to Sky, who is our guest, she has so many accomplishments and some of them include having her fine artwork included in permanent collections at the LA Museum, County Museum of Art, the Brooklyn Museum, the Santa Barbara Museum of Art and the Bibliothèque Nationale de France, just to name a few. And she's had commercial work that has been appeared on book covers for Random House. And she's had magazine spreads in Smithsonian and Frommers, and I could go on and on and on. But currently, Sky is working as a professor of photography and video at Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California. Sky, you've accomplished so much in your young life, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for having me. So I have a cur- I'm always curious, but my first question to you about your documentary is, what inspired you? I know you. I've, talked to you and I've read some of your writings. I know you interviewed 40 people over four years and as you would say, 3,000 years of collective life experience. But what got you started? What was your inspiration? Well, for those of you that are watching, you can see my grandmother in the background and she was really my inspiration and my role model. And um, she was an amazing cook and never wrote a recipe down. And um, so when she was 96, she came out to visit me for the first time from Florida to California. And for the next four summers, she spent the month of August with me, which if any of you have been in Florida the month of August, you know, it's a good time to leave and to come to California. And we cooked together. And that was really how I started filming. I'd never filmed anything before, but I, because she never wrote a recipe down, I realized I needed to film her in order to really capture her recipes. And, um, and I asked her for a few words of wisdom. And that was kind of what got me started on this whole project it was really my grandmother was truly the inspiration for this entire project. Well, I totally understand the inspiration. I had a great grandmother who was very inspirational to me. And, but I was very young and I, at the time I do, she did give me pearls of wisdom, but not quite uh, in the way that, that you've manifested them with your grandmother. So 
how did you find the people once you decided to go on this path to do this documentary how did you find the people to be interviewed the 40 people yeah that's a good question and um i will say that i didn't know i was going to do a documentary film i thought i was going to do some kind of a web series and so i um I have been teaching, as you mentioned, at Cal Poly for 26 years now. I send an email blast out to my friends, family, and all the alum that I've taught at Cal Poly, um, so about a thousand people. And I had this put this one-minute video clip of my grandmother together that she was working out at the gym and at 99. So um, wow. and yeah, and she she actually I should say really quickly she didn't start working out till she was 80. So it is never too late to start something new, including working out at the gym. Um, and so anyway, I put together this one minute video clip and I said to my friends, family and alum, if you have somebody in your life that's as much an inspiration as my grandmother is to me, please nominate them for this project. And I was just inundated by very heartwarming nominations. So it was, it was easy to get the nominations from people for, for this project. <laughs> that's great. And I have two questions. As a workout enthusiast, what was your grandmother doing exactly at the gym? <laughs> Yeah, she was, uh, she had a little exercise bicycle that she would go on. She would lift her weights. Um, she had a phrase, move it or lose it. And that I think was really important. And that's why she was still moving right up till the end because she maybe was moving a little slower, but she was still moving and still using it. And still, I think it was also a social thing for her to go to the gym and to see all these people. And it was just, um, you know, it was a wonderful uh, environment for her to be in. So it, it was, it was great. She was really lucky. That she was, and, and you're lucky also to have had her for so long. So tell me, what were the criteria with all the responses you got? What, how did you kind of call it down to 40 interviews? Yeah, not so easy to do that. Um, I, I think that uh, one of the things was that it wasn't a social science experiment or a project. It was really, I was looking at approaching 50, I'm 55 now. So that gives you an idea of the length of time I've been working on this. Um, but I um, really was looking for people that were positive, that would that I could look towards as positive role models of what I wanted my life to look like, um, maybe post-retirement and as I was aging. And um, so it, it was very specific about looking for people that were very positive. And then um, once I realized that it was gonna be a feature length film, I also was looking for a diverse number of stories because I started out doing this project thinking it was gonna be all these pearls of wisdom. But what I also realized as I was moving through this project was that it was also about capturing the stories of this amazing generation of people. And so I was trying to look for a diverse group of stories. So for example, there's a story of a Japanese American woman who is interned during World War II. And that was something that I very specifically sought out. And then in terms of the people that I ended up including in the film, you know, what I learned from moving from being a still photographer to a, a filmmaker is that people might have a really good story that's written and on paper, but they may not be able to tell that story very well. So the, I really, you know, part of it was meeting people and finding out who were the better storytellers and who could really tell the story with some humor and some levity, uh, but and some words of wisdom thrown in there for good measure. So that was also part of the criteria. Great. So what are some of the, what are a few takeaways that you can tell our listeners and our viewers about what you learned from the people you interviewed? Well, I think all three people 
had, uh, or all 40 people had three things in common, really. Um, one is that they all had uh, something that they were looking forward to doing every day and giving back in some way. I think that one of the things that happens when we retire, we lose our sense of purpose. And I think having that sense of purpose is vitally important. So all of the people had that sense of purpose. Um, the second thing was that they all were um, connected to either family or friends, so they weren't isolated, and it didn't necessarily have to be family, it could be friends, but they all have a support group. And even now during this time, like Paul Wolf, who's in the film, they had a coffee group that used to get together, they're doing it via Zoom, so they're still continuing on with staying connected. And then I think third, which is a bit of a cliche, but there's a reason for it, is that they were all people that even though they went through some very trying times, all um, were able to look at life as the glass is half full rather than half empty. And I think it's because of that, that the, the film has really resonated with people right now because you hear the stories of resilience and that's, we're all going through something collectively right now. And so to hear that those stories, it helps us to have hope that we too can get through this moment in time. Right, and that was a great lead into my next question, which was given our current pandemic situation, what insights can you, from the live, well-lived people, can you give our, our viewers and listeners that may well, have come through this time? Well, I think one of the things that um, I learned from Marion Wolf is, and she lived through, uh, you know, Nazi Germany and escaping on the very first kinder transport from Austria to the UK. And um, she was only eight when that happened. But she said that the thing that helps get her through the most is humor, keeping a good sense of humor mm -hmm. and keeping that sense of hope. I think that, that those things combined are really uh, especially important and poignant right now. I agree. I totally agree. And I could tell you some funny stories about that. At another time when we have more time, but I totally your sense of humor is important. I also read what you just said about the social interactions. There was a study recently done that found that diet, exercise, all those lifestyle things are very important, but the number one most important thing that came out of the study was the social interactions with people. Absolutely. And I will say the other thing that I think I learned from the people in the film that has helped me get through this moment is um, Evie Justison talks about um, the fact that there are many times in our lives when we can't control the things that are happening around us, but what we can control is our attitude about how we react to it. And I think that your attitude really is the only thing that you can control. And, and if anything, this moment in time has certainly um, shown that to be very true. And so I think of that often that, and there are some mornings, all of us wake up on the wrong side of the bed and I try and give myself an attitude adjustment. <laughs> and because I think that that's so vitally important, it's really how you frame things and how you look at them. And then again, looking at things if you can with through a humorous lens and trying to not be so serious about things really helps as well. So you've already already almost answered my next question, but if you have any other thoughts as to what are maybe one of the two top lessons you may have learned from the lives well-lived people that you met and interviewed and interacted with? Well, I can share um, my, uh, my favorite quote from the movie, which is from Lucky Louie, um, Dr. Lou Tadone, who I just saw this morning, because I still go over there even during this time, stand outside his door and wave hello to him. And he's 97 and still making his fresh mozzarellas for his daughter's deli. But his, uh, my favorite quote of his from the film is, happiness is a state of mind. You can be happy with what you have or miserable with what you don't have, you decide. And that is so true. Yeah, That's great. Like in other words, focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Exactly. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. So give us your personal definition, Sky, of a life well lived. Well, I think that my definition of a life well lived really comes from my grandmother, who she had a motto that um, it's always better to be kind than right. So when in doubt, always be kind. And I think um, I have tried to live my life uh, being kind to other people, even if it's anonymously and people don't know about it, or it might just be uh, waving at somebody, saying hello to somebody in this time during the pandemic, dropping off some food for somebody that you know have, has lost their job without you having to tell them you did that. I mean, th- just those little random acts of kindness, I think, go a long way. And what a better world it would be if we were all a little kinder to each other. I agree. I totally agree. So I know you have another project up your sleeve and that we've talked about called the Intergenerational Project, Connecting the Generations, which sounds absolutely fascinating. Do you want to chat a little bit about that? Sure. So I, um, one of the things that I learned in doing the research for my film is that the last hundred years is the first time in human history that we've looked to anyone other than our elders for advice. And I really feel the world is suffering as a result. And I, in some ways, took for granted that I had all of my grandparents when I was growing up and, and even my great grandmother. And um, I had the, that wisdom of my elders. I was surrounded by that, but many people are not. And so what I've been doing, and and really it's become my passion project, is using the film as a catalyst to connect the generations. And we've been working with high schools and universities, um, showing the film to students and elders, and then pairing them up um, to use, they use the questions that I um, formulated for the film and to meet each other. Because sometimes the hardest thing about meeting somebody and interviewing them is knowing what questions to ask. So at least giving them a framework can start that conversation going. And then at the end, we have a big rap party and they tell about what they learned about each other. And the the key thing is that in both cases, in the elders and the students cases, they all say that they can't believe how many commonalities they had over, you know, that really the only difference was age. There was so much that they had in common. And I think that it's really easy to categorize people into a, a stereotypical group and um, have um, you know ageism, but I think when you meet somebody, and that goes both ways, by the way, for young people to old people and older people to young people. Um, but when you meet somebody one-on-one, it's a lot more difficult to stereotype and to have that ageist mentality. And so um, I think that that's we're trying to combat ageism, one story and one connection at a time. Yeah, sounds great. It sounds like you're doing a great job of it. Any other quotes that you want to talk about that came up? during uh, this, this exercise with the older and the intergenerational and the younger? Um, I, you know, I think that that was really the, the most important thing. I think that the, the students in particular really had no idea of, um, you know, the wealth of information that their elders were going to have. And I think it also, in, in many cases, they may have had grandparents that they just hadn't asked questions of, and it opened the door and opened that conversation up with their grandparents, and they were shocked to find out how much their grandparents or their elders and their own family could give back to them. So, you know, I would encourage people, we have a place on our website that you can share your story or the story of your loved one, and it's, there are about half of the questions that I asked in the film are on there. I took about six months to formulate the questions that I was going to ask everyone, um, but, you know, some of the questions are like, like, what do you think of your own mortality? I asked that of my dad in the context of being a daughter. I would never have felt comfortable asking that question. But as an interviewer, I was able to ask that question. And it really 
opened up this conversation that we would never have had otherwise. And it was one of the best conversations that we've ever had. So I, you can blame me for those questions, but you know, it's a good place. Like I said, it's a good starting point to have a list of questions and to be curious because the biggest regret that people in the film had was not asking somebody a question that had passed away. So. And, yeah, I agree. And I will share something with you. My bonus uh, daughter and son, last year for the holidays, gifted my husband and I with something called StoryWorth, which is basically every week I would get a question. My husband changed it to maybe twice a month a question, but we it was because they wanted to ask us questions. And at the end of the year, apparently they put this book together. And I, and so that shows you that, you know, people of that generation don't want to miss out on learning from the older generation, which reinforces what you're doing and what we're doing. And so it's all good. Indeed. <laughs> so any other places that our viewers and listeners can go to learn more about your film that's coming yeah. out in May? Absolutely. If they go to um, lives-well-live.com or just Google Lives Well Lived, it was out in theaters. So it's, uh, it's we're rated 100% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So you can go to Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and it'll direct you to our Great. webpage. Um, you can sign up for our email newsletter list. And we do have DVDs that are out now. Um, so you can actually uh, watch a DVD now or wait for it to come out on PBS in May. Sounds wonderful. Any and the same website for learning about the intergenerational project? Yes, all of that. And we have a Facebook page, which is just Lives Will Live and Instagram. And we post um, all of those. And our, our favorite, I should say that my favorite quotes from the film, from all the film stars are on the website. So if you're needing inspiration, you can go to our film tab, stars tab on the website and you can see a quote from all 40 of the people that we interviewed. And some of them are really just wonderful. If you really need to pick me up during the day, that's a great place to start with. I've looked there and you're absolutely right. They're wonderful. I highly recommend that. Um, Thank you so much for being a guest on our show, Growing Older with Gusto. We really look forward, Sky, to seeing your documentary on PBS in May. Thank, Thank you so much for having me. Time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growing Older with Gusto. I'm Scott Winteroth, co-producer, and on behalf of Gail Zuckerman and myself, we would like to invite you to our website for additional resources on Growing Older with Gusto, as well as past episodes of the show please consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Or if you know someone who is growing older with gusto, please have them contact us so we can interview them on the show. Our contact information is on our website. Thank you. This podcast is a front and social production. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. <laughs>